The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. We uh, started talking about uh, work and loving what you do or how'd you get mm-hmm. into it, that sort of stuff. And a couple of your texts, Brad says, well, I was always fascinated with the microwave towers along the highway. Long story short, 34 and a half years with AGT and TELUS. And yes, Andrew, I was probably in your neighborhood. <laughs> um, hey guys, I was just thinking as you two were chatting that most people end up bouncing from job to job until they find something they like. I feel sorry for the folks that don't go from job to job until late uh, finding something. So they end up working their entire life at a job they hate. Working at a job you love is not work at all, says Tom. And then, of course, there's the uh, Peter Principle, right? And mm-hmm. the, the Peter Principle is that you get um, elevated to your level of incompetence. So, you know, you take a, a sales guy, and he's so good at sales, you make him a sales manager. And uh, then he manages the team. And the idea is he takes his experience and passes it on. And, but then he becomes uh, an area manager. And at some point, he gets to a place where he's not happy, he's not qualified, he doesn't know how to do the job that they've mm-hmm. put him into, and then he fails in the job. He's unhappy, employer's unhappy, when in fact, had they left him as a salesman and just increased his pay, everybody would have uh, been happy. It's an interesting uh, concept. I think we see we see that with, you know, not, uh, I'm going to say it, that we see that with managers a lot. All the time. You know, uh, if you... I mean, not here, but in general. Yeah, if if you think about where you are, and I think that's it. I think a lot of us end up having challenges with our our managers. I'm just wondering, how the heck did you ever get this job? You have no people skills. You have no idea on how to to manage relationships. You have no idea how to talk to another human being. How is it that you're in charge of other human beings? Mm -hmm, But they excelled in their last position, Sorry, was that... Wow, that's... Yeah. Do you need to lie down? Are you okay? Gans will be in tomorrow if you want to bring that back up again. I smoked. (laughs) <laughs> I'll have one for you. Uh, I mentioned to you during the break that a good uh, topic that we didn't get to uh, last week or the week before, but it really relates to this, is there was a, a survey done um, that looked at 24,000 employees in eight countries and it basically just measured happiness in the workplace. And the results were quite interesting. They're quite telling. 8% of those aged 18 to 34 reported being unhappy in the job. So 8% were unhappy. But when those, uh, when the survey asked people who were 35 and over, that number doubled to 16%. And, and I wasn't even thinking of this survey when I was speaking earlier that it seems like in your 30s, you start thinking about where the road ends. What's next? Right. And, and that's what made me think, hey, where's that survey? And I dug it back out again. And sure enough, mid-30s. So what they're saying is 35 years of age is around the time that you be, oftentimes can become unhappy with the job that you're doing. Right. And the effect is both, it's both important to the employee, but also to the employer. Because an unhappy employee, their productivity mm-hmm. plummets. And when their productivity plummets, they become even unhappier. So, you know, everybody loses in a case like that, right? And it's funny because back in my day, the advice I got from my dad was, you know, pick the right job and stay with it the rest of your life. That was his advice because, you know what, you'll end up being the chairman of the board of that corporation or whatever. Um, but these days, and, and, and on resumes, it was a red flag if somebody had jumped jobs several times. I'm told now by professional recruiters that it's a red flag if they haven't. Mm-hmm. 
and and that a lot of companies want to see you have a variety of experience and work experience, but also they rely on other companies to train you. Well, and life experience, too. Absolutely, yeah. You know, one of our texters um, had texted in and said, you know, my daughter, she hasn't been able to figure out what, what she wants to do, so she's been traveling. She's just been traveling, and she started up her own blog. What is it, little bear? But see, even think about leaving that. little bear prints. But even doing that and committing to doing, you know, right. blogging every day. There was a there was a study done that we talked about weeks ago, and and you, actually, I think you weren't here on that day, so it was last month sometime, and it seemed simple enough, but it was to me mind blowing, and I almost worried in bringing up the survey that some of our listeners would find it too silly or too simple, and that the feedback would not be good. You always concern yourself with the listener feedback, but then after doing the topic, I ran into several people, friends who listen, mm-hmm. who said, wow, that was mind-blowing. So it, they had the same reaction I did. And what the survey said was, it, the question was, does money make you happy? And in a, in a nutshell, what it was was, it depends. It depends on what you spend the money on. So if having a whole lot of money and putting it into a big house when really what you love to do is travel, then obviously it's not going to make you mm-hmm. happy. Or if knowing that you're debt-free makes you happy, it doesn't make sense to take out a mortgage on a big house, even if you can afford it, stuff like that. So you have to look specifically at what would make you happy. And when you mentioned you know, an individual who wants to travel, I think it's pretty well known that the travel agency business, those individuals who get into that often don't make a lot of money, but they have the opportunity to get deals on travel and to go to resorts and check them out. And they've, if that's what makes you happy, then it really wouldn't matter if you're making executive wages. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you're traveling and able to pay the rent when you're home, you're probably happy. Yeah. It's, it's something to think about. It's almost hard to give advice to kids because your own kids, because what I tell my kids, I'm always telling them how they can make more money because I keep thinking the more money, the less trouble they'll have. I'm a bit of a hypocrite. That's not really true. It is not true. It's not true at all. Um, and the 35 thing I found interesting because that was exactly around the time when I started to want to change. 35 and then I left at 36. And 32 is when I became yeah. a comedian. Yeah. So, hi, Jed. Hey, guys. It's funny you say that. Like, I was a Harley mechanic for up eight years. Then I stopped. I went. I did what I wanted to do. I hopped in a truck. I went all over North America. We did Katrina. We did Harleys. We did Hot Rods. Now I'm back in the stage where I do what I want to do. I'm a people person. I like making people happy. I know where my paycheck comes from. It comes from my customer. My customer's happy. I'm happy. And there's a lot of people that don't know that, hey, if your customer ain't happy, you ain't making money. It's a funny thing because Carol and I got into the comedy club business thinking that would make us happy. And it made us miserable. And and we went into it with the same view you just said. We wanted to put on good shows, have, you know, take care of our customers, do everything the way a comedy club should run, because I'd seen so many that don't run the way I think they should. But what I discovered was that it, we're just different. It didn't make me happy. It was It was a lot of work. My wife and I argued constantly about how to run the place. Um, and, and so happy to me is not... I guess that's not happy. Happy to me is is no debt. That, to be honest with you, at the top of my list of what would make me happy, I love paying my bills. It's the weirdest thing. I don't think you love paying your bills. You like having your bills paid off. I do. I just I like looking at my visa statement and knowing I don't owe yeah. anything. Like yeah. it makes me really happy. Yeah, but every day if you go to work and you go to work with a smile, like I I drive for a living. I like driving. 
I'm in my vehicle by myself a lot of the time. I I am not an office person. I cannot sit behind <laughs> yeah, a desk. Either. I don't know how people can sit in a building all day. Like, I've got to be out and about. I see stuff that nobody else can see, mm-hmm. and I've had adventure in my life. Do you know what? You'd identify with this. What I, I thought about this the other day when I was driving uh, up to Ashmont. Um, driving to a comedy show on a warm summer day with your window down and the music playing, I, I, I don't, I can't think of a better scenario. Like, I'm just so happy. You know, I'm my own boss. I'm about to go do something I'm lo- I love. Um, it's two hours away. Like, it's just a perfect scenario. And when I used to do tours where I'd drive from gig to gig, so I'd drive through Saskatchewan. I, like you say, I'd see things, and, and, and you just go, man, who else has ever seen this place or that hall or that statue or, you know what I mean? Like, you, you well, just see you so much. you want to take a right or you want to take a left, you take a right or a left. And both <laughs> yeah. way, the way I look at it is, hey, I did Katrina. I'll tell you. Uh, I can tell you guys stories like you guys are talking about Katrina in Texas. I just got a call from a guy the other day in Kelowna. He asked me if I wanted to put my truck back on the road. We hmm. hauled RVs down to Katrina. Yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah. And he said to me, he says, Greg, you can make a crap load of money because FEMA started to bust up. And there's going to be mobile homes. There's going to be RVs. There's going to be ice. There's going to be wood. There's going to be everything needed down there. And it comes out of Chicago, Minnesota, or Oregon. And you can make a heck of a lot of money, but I'll tell you, I'm a normal guy, and some of the stuff I've seen was amazing, and I'll never forget it. Judd, thanks for the phone call. Always great to hear from you. Some of your texts coming in this afternoon. Uh, Dave in St. Albert says, we were asking our grandson what he wanted to be when he grew up, but quickly realized that the way technology was advancing, he would probably have a job that isn't even invented Mm, yet. It's possible. I've told you this before, but, uh, you know, we still do it for fun. But when all of my kids were little and I would tuck them into bed at night and I would always ask them, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they knew the only acceptable answer was happy. Mm. Um, If you pursue happiness, if you love what you do, then you, you it's like you don't have a job. But the funny thing is I haven't necessarily f- always followed that advice myself. <laughs> but maybe I learned it uh, late and now I'm trying to pass it on. Because I did spend the first, what, 14 years of my work life doing stuff I didn't enjoy. Yeah. Uh, this one says, I'm kind of happy with my job, but my happy job would just be driving a truck. Like hmm. for Coca-Cola. Driving is peaceful if you're out of the city. Um, and Daryl says, uh, the point of multiple jobs, even in bad times, makes one more employable, and you can, Andrew will like this, save money. <laughs> and then from Barhead, just because you're the boss doesn't mean you should be the boss. Oh, I've had some bad bosses over the years. Yes, and you know what? So how about this? Why don't we take a break here when we come back? Actually, let's get to Brian first off. Hey, Brian. Hi. What's going on? Well, you're talking about uh, the, the continuity of jobs and so on. I've, I've told my family and I've told my employees that the first few years of your life when you're working, you should be trying to find out what do you want to be when you grow up. Mm-hmm. Like, what is, um, how do you want to spend your time and so on. And so by 33 to 36, 37 years old, you should have a pretty good idea of what you're going to spend the rest or the next venture of your life doing. And that's, you know, it takes a lot of changing and sometimes exploring, but by then you also know yourself a lot better. Yeah. You know yourself and you know your situation, right? Yeah. Yeah. By the time you're 35, you should know what you want to do and you should have an idea of the industry you want to do it in. 
35? you get to your 45 to 50, you should be firmly entrenched in your industry. And you, by then you should be getting paid for what you know, not for what you do. And you know what, though, you know, Brian, I, I'm going to say that that's way too late. 35 years old, you should have been, you should be doing the job that you love for at least 10 years. I would back that up like 25, 35, 45. So I agree See, with you're Brian. Much younger than me. Yeah. yeah. Much younger than me. Yeah. I'm saying the, the days of my generation uh, intending to retire by the time you're, you know, 65, those days are also gone. People are going to be working well into their 70s yeah. and happily. I'm thinking if you're waiting till 35 to figure out what it is that you want to do for the rest of your life, you've wasted 15 years. See, but that's just your... And, and I'm not saying yeah. that you can different jobs, that sort of stuff, but come on, get on with it. No, already. you know what? I'm totally... I, I like this time frame because I think about my 20s to 30s to early 30s. I, You know who I was working for? I was working for my car, my house, my kids, mm. my... You know, I was working to get all those things that I thought I had to get, but the one thing I wasn't working towards was happiness. And then my 30s, I started to realize mm. how I could monetize what makes me happy. And you're absolutely right. In my 50s, fully entrenched in my industry, probably, and, and now I'm in a position where I'm not talking about when I can retire. I'm talking about do I have to retire? Exactly. Because you're happy. I'm happy, yeah. yeah. What you're doing. Yep. Brian, thanks for the phone call. I guess I think this might go back to one of the very first things we talked about. We had different timelines. Yep. I knew from the very start what I wanted right. to do. 18 years of age, went to college at 18, graduated when I was 20, and and have been doing that ever since. So mm -hmm. I didn't have that uh, downtime where I was like, oh, I'm not sure about what I want to do or switching jobs, just switching locations mm -hmm. was the difference. Um, you talked about having a lot of bad bosses over the years. When we come back, the 10 things bad bosses do that make you quit. It was talking to employees and 44% of these employees surveyed had actually quit, had quit their job because of a bad boss. Mm. And so when you looked at the reasons why, uh, breaking it down, so in number 10, it was your boss doesn't set clear expectations. Okay. At 52%. So that was <laughs> one, really? of the, one of the big ones wow. there. Um, yeah, it's you know saying that the boss probably isn't a good communicator, telling them what you want and, and what mm -hmm. they want and what's expected of you. And number nine was your boss focuses more on your weaknesses than your strengths. <laughs> That's frustrating. There's a way, but again, I think that goes back to um, good communication and knowing how to tell somebody something um, that's just not all crap, mm -hmm. you know, so telling them a little bit of good that goes along with a little of the bad. Uh, in eight, your boss micromanages you and doesn't allow you the freedom to work. Some people actually like being micromanaged. I'm not mm -hmm. among them, but yeah, some people do. Uh, number seven, the boss doesn't provide proper direction on assignments or roles. Mm. Doesn't that go back to clear expectations a little yeah. bit too? Uh, number six, your boss doesn't back you up when there's a dispute between you and one of your company's clients. Hmm. That is frustrating. Yeah. Because the customer isn't always right. Yeah, but mm, no, but you're not always right either. For sure. Yeah. Uh, number five, your boss hires and or promotes the wrong people. 
very frustrating, including himself or yeah. herself. Yeah. Uh, they say favoritism is a demotivator. See, I'm I don't not... have this in front of me, and the one that I think should be at number one. Just wait. Okay, because wait. you haven't said it yet. Just wait. All right. Okay. Don't jump ahead yet. Um, number four, your boss doesn't appear to advocate for you when it comes to monetary compensation, wages, salary, and bonuses. <laughs> sure. Number three, your boss doesn't appear to care if you're overworked. Okay. Number two, your boss doesn't appear to trust or empower you. Again, I guess it kind of depends on the individual Uh as to what you're looking for. Some people want a job, others want a career, right? So there's a difference between those two. And number one, with 63% of uh, respondents saying, yeah, this is the biggie, your boss takes credit for your work. Do you know, that's sort of as close to what I was going to say. The most frustrating thing I've found over the years in working, and I've had lots of bosses, is when I feel more qualified than my boss. And it's... It's frustrating. It's and and maybe that relates to several of them mm-hmm. rolled into one where he got a promotion or she got a promotion. I didn't, perhaps, but I, I, I am very um, task oriented. I'm very, I like working alone and I like getting work done. And um, I don't like anyone who in the name of managing me gets in the way of me getting my job done because I've got to babysit them so they don't get in the way of the the big boys doing the real work. And I've certainly seen it over the years, and specifically at Algoma Steel, mm-hmm. where you would have a supervisor, a manager, or a supervisor, an assistant manager, a manager, a vice president, and everybody's got to weigh in on uh, this report. And it's like, you guys don't even read the report. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, if I were to get you to actually explain the report to me, I bet you you couldn't, right? Um, but everybody feels as though they have to sort of uh, justify their own position. And each one wants the person above them to see that they're hands-on with the employee. Oh, staff meetings. Oh, jeez, <laughs> I hate staff meetings. Right. Well, as you all well know. I mean, from what I've heard about them. <laughs> <laughs> they usually t- take place around noon or so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there you go. Your boss takes credit for your work being the number one thing that really uh, tricks you off. Tricks you off. Is that what it says? No, that was a combination of a couple of words there, oh. which I'm glad came out the way that it did, oh, good, to good, be honest good with you. Good stuff. Well, that tricks you off. Okay. <laughs> I must have told you about that. Do you remember uh, back in the day, uh, computer programs... Uh, printouts had those, all those, uh, maybe they still do in old companies, I don't know, had all those holes uh, on the side, side and they were big, massive, and they folded, and they then they would bind them in usually this green, hard Mm -hmm. cover, and they'd be labeled. Uh, There was a report at Algoma Steel that I was... Is this the $20 one? Yeah, Yeah. where I told them, everybody, nobody reads this report. And they were like, everybody, nobody reads this report, and it gets signed by everybody in management. So I put a $20 bill on page three or four with a note that said, if you find this, it's yours. <laughs> and it came all the way through the system and back to me, and the 20 bucks was still there. And I told my supervisor, see, nobody reads this, including you. He's like, yeah, well, it's required. Brendan Dreger has your 3 o'clock news up next. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.